Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's online service. Even though we're not meeting together on site, um, we still encourage you to check us out um, on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to do that. And also, we want to remind you of our weekly Zoom prayer gathering that we have every Sunday morning at 11. If you have a prayer request that you would like to have remembered, um, just email that to us by Friday each week and we'll make sure to include that in our prayer time. So that's it for today. We hope you have a wonderful day. Enjoy the service and may God bless you. Hello everyone. Let's sing together.
Good morning, everybody. Today I'll be reading from Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined to the table. A woman who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. There were two men who owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now who will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Good morning. Today we are continuing our summer preaching series entitled Uncomfortable. We are considering scriptures where Jesus made those around him feel uncomfortable by the things that he said and the things that he did. We observe as we read the Gospels that Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable and marginalized people feel safe. Sometimes I believe the church does the opposite. We make religious people feel safe and marginalized people feel uncomfortable. The main focus of this series is this. If we, the followers of Jesus, are going to continue his work of making marginalized people feel safe, we must begin with a fresh exposure to the uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. We're going to continue our series today by considering an encounter that Jesus had with a sinful woman at the house of Simon the Pharisee in Luke chapter 7. As we consider this scripture today, we will see that we often are judgmental of those whose sins are different than our own. My first point today is dinner party. According to our scripture, Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him at his house. Jesus accepted the invitation, went to his home, and we find him reclined at the table. The fact that Jesus was invited by Simon makes a strong statement. In this culture, you only invited someone into your home to share a meal if you saw them being on the same level as you. Even though Jesus was seen by the religious teachers as a false teacher, by virtue of him being such a popular teacher, he was considered in many ways to be on the same level. 
It's also important to remember that this was an honor-based culture. And the way you gain more honor in an honor-based culture is to take honor away from someone else. Simon's intention in inviting Jesus is likely to discredit him, to take Jesus' honor away from him while sharing a meal with him in his home. We're told that a woman who had lived a sinful life heard that Jesus was present at Simon's house, and she decided to go to the house to see Jesus. The language used in this story, the details revealed during the story, make a strong case that this woman was a known prostitute, an immoral person. In New Testament times, prostitutes resided just outside the boundaries of the cities, towns, and villages. They kept company with other marginalized people like beggars, lepers, outcasts, even tanners. People would pass by them on the way in and out of these cities, towns, and villages, and this is how these prostitutes earned their living. She has either seen Jesus' ministry in action personally, had previous contact with Jesus, or heard about him through somebody else. I believe her actions seem to indicate that she had somewhere along the way encountered him personally. It becomes evident in the story that the woman is repentant. She is pursuing Jesus at great risk. Somehow, she believes Jesus that he came to seek and save the lost. She believes him that he came to call sinners to repentance. So she desires a fresh start. She wants her sins forgiven. She longs for a new beginning, to put the past behind her and be free. And so we find her at a dinner party in the house of Simon the Pharisee, seeking forgiveness from Jesus who can set her free. My second point is dinner guest. It may seem unusual that this woman makes an appearance at the dinner because she is clearly not invited. The social custom in New Testament times allowed for needy people to visit a banquet, a special dinner, to receive the leftovers. However, this woman's arrival didn't qualify as part of this social custom. In fact, there were many violations to this custom. First, she invaded a male space. In New Testament times, when guests were in the home, women did not eat in the same room with men. They spent their time preparing, serving, and cleaning up. Secondly, she was a recognized sinner. She was known by everyone in the area by her profession and her lifestyle. And this created an awkwardness when she arrived at the Pharisee's house. And thirdly, she behaved in a manner that would have been seen as incredibly inappropriate. She began weeping and her tears flowed down onto Jesus' feet. And then she began to wipe his feet with her hair. A woman's hair was a symbol of her beauty, of her honor. It was always worn up as a symbol of morality. Her hair was down, which is likely reinforced her profession because prostitutes wore their hair down. To wash a person's feet was considered the ultimate humility. She wiped his feet with her hair. Then she poured the perfume from the alabaster jar that she had brought all over his feet. I believe this act is planned. This is not something that she would randomly have in her possession. This jar is worth approximately a year's wages for a common worker. It was intended to be a part of the wedding night. The bride would pour the jar of perfume on the groom's feet as an act of commitment to him. 
To top it off, she began to kiss his feet. She didn't care what people thought. She was a sinner and she knew it. She wanted a new life and she knows that only Jesus can give it to her. Her actions were a demonstration of her repentance, her desire for something better, her love for Jesus. The Pharisee, it says, saw her behavior and he judged her. But I want you to notice that he also judged Jesus because he said to himself, if this man, Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who it is that is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner, that he wouldn't be allowing this to happen. Now, when it says he saw her, the word saw here means to observe something happening, to become aware of what she is doing. He was likely embarrassed that this type of behavior was taking place in his home at his dinner party by an uninvited guest of all people. My third point this morning is dinner conversation. Jesus immediately came to the woman's defense. Simon was comparing himself to her. He was spiritual. She was sinful. And so in response to Simon, Jesus told the story. And in the story, there were two men that owed money. Both of them owed money to the same person. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50 denarii. Now, neither of them had the money to pay the man back. So the man in his generosity canceled both of their debts. So Jesus asked Simon, which of the two men will love this man more? The one who owed 500 or the one who owed 50? Of course, Simon responded, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled that owed the 500. And Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Then Jesus asked a very important question to Simon. Simon, do you see this woman? Now the word see here is different than the word used for Simon when it says he saw her. It doesn't mean observing an action, seeing what someone is doing. It means to watch carefully, discern, feel, understand, weigh out carefully. He had seen her previously, but he hadn't really seen her. He saw her lifestyle. He saw her sin. He saw her action, but he didn't see her as a person. Jesus is not minimizing the woman's sin here. She was clearly a very sinful woman. There's no question. Jesus confronted Simon. He said, Simon, I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't provide oil for my head. These were all expected social customs in this day. Simon hadn't done any of that. To neglect these things would be a blatant disrespect for your guests. She, on the other hand, had washed his feet with her tears. She had dried them with her hair. She had kissed them. She had poured perfume on them. He demonstrated no love at all. She demonstrated great love. Little love 
is a reflection of little forgiveness. Great love is a reflection of significant forgiveness. Jesus made it clear. It was not her love that saved her or provided forgiveness for her. It was her faith in him. Love was the expression of the gratitude that she felt towards Jesus because of the forgiveness that she had received by putting faith in him. And he told her to go in peace. She left changed by the power of Jesus to save her because she was aware of her sin and had faith in Jesus to forgive her sins. Simon was guilty of judging this woman because her sins were different than his. There are two observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today. The first is awareness. Awareness is very important if we are going to continue Jesus' mission of making marginalized people feel safe and accepted. Both self-awareness is important and others' awareness is important. The truth is, becoming a follower of Jesus is not about the extent of one's sinfulness, how sinful we were, how much we sinned. It's about our awareness of our sin and our need for God's forgiveness in our lives. Sometimes it is easier for people who have sinned extensively and obviously to turn to Jesus because they're more aware of who and what they are. It's obvious to them and to others. Sometimes those who consider themselves to be good people aren't aware of the significance of their sin. And the result is they don't see their need for God's forgiveness because, well, they're already good people. The Bible makes it clear that we are all sinners. We were born sinful, and on top of that, our actions since we were born are sinful. Therefore, every single one of us needs God's forgiveness. Just because others are not aware of our sins, just because we may not be aware of our sins, doesn't mean we're not sinful. Unless we become aware of our sin, recognize our need for God's forgiveness, we will never experience God's forgiveness or have relationship with him through Jesus. Love for Jesus is the best indicator that we are aware of our sinfulness and we have received the forgiveness of God through Jesus. I've often talked with people who are desiring to rediscover their passion for their faith, a passion for Jesus, a passion for spirituality. They want to know, what can I do? What steps can I take? What is the formula? What is the recipe to get my spiritual passion back on track? And I tell them, you can't reignite spiritual passion through a formula, through a program. Passion for Jesus flows from a, an awareness of how sinful we were before we came to him and what he has done for us. Passion and love for Jesus flows from the awareness of his grace in our lives. Little understanding, little appreciation of who we are without Jesus equals little love for Jesus and little grace towards others as we live out our lives. But a great understanding, a great appreciation of who we were without Jesus and what he has done to change our lives equals a great love for Jesus, a great demonstration of grace towards others. Folks, we can't love Jesus because we're supposed to 
or because we've been asked to, or because we've been taught to. We can't love others because we're supposed to, or because we're asked to, or because we were taught to. Love flows when we understand what Jesus has done for us and in us. If we are unable to show grace to others, it is either because we have not experienced grace ourselves, or we're not aware of our own need for grace in our lives. Awareness is critically important. Otherwise, we will find ourselves judging those whose sins are different than our own. My second application this morning is seeing. Jesus makes it very clear in our scripture today that there are two ways to see people. All people. Every person. First, we can see them as Simon did. Observing their actions, judging them, rejecting them based on what they have done or what they are currently doing. When we do this, we're elevating ourselves over them. We see ourselves as spiritually superior. The truth is, you can't put others down without lifting yourself up. Or secondly, we can see them like Jesus did. Look beyond their actions and see their value. Feel what they feel. Try to understand where they are and who they are. Weigh our interactions with them carefully. I believe that we are living in a challenging time and that the church, followers of Jesus, who desire to faithfully be the church that he has called us to be, will need to become more like Jesus and focus on the broken person as a priority rather than the issues that they represent. You've heard me say before how I have observed that followers of Jesus in our culture tend to become more fixated on the issues that we disagree with, the issues we believe are a violation of scripture than we do on the people associated with these issues. Like Jesus, we will run the risk of being judged by those who think they are spiritually superior when we minister to those who are deemed to be sinful. We will hear things like, if you were really a spiritual person, you would know better what kind of person that is. You would criticize them, you would reject them, you would push them away. In 1 John 2, portion of verses 5 and then verse 6, it says this, This is how we know we are in him, in Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Live as Jesus lived. I believe we can get caught up in a lot of important things, but miss the most important thing. Folks, sound doctrine is important. Lifestyle is important. Strategically living our lives for Jesus is important. But if all that we are and all that we do does not reflect how Jesus lived, what we are doing is not in him. Jesus elevated people over issues. Jesus elevated the heart over appearances. Jesus elevated the rejected. Jesus elevated the sinful, all above the formality of religion. Why? 
because he came to save the people of this world, not to condemn them. Why? Because it's the sick that need the doctor, not the well. I believe that Jesus is asking all of us today the same question he asked Simon. I want you to take Simon's name out of Jesus' question, and I want you to put your name in there. And so for me, I would say, Jesus is saying to me, Shannon, do you see this broken woman? Do you see this broken man? Do you see this desperate child? Do you see this confused teenager? Do you see this lonely senior? Do you see this struggling single parent? Do you see the hopeless addict? Do you see those who are discriminated against in our culture? Do you really see them? Seeing people, not issues, is critically important. Because otherwise, if we are not seeing people as Jesus see them, otherwise we are going to find ourselves judging those whose sins are different than our own. In conclusion this morning, if we are unable to show grace to others, it is because we have either not experienced it ourselves or we are not aware of our own need for it. Seeing people, not issues, is critically important. Otherwise, we will find ourselves judging those whose sins are different than our own. As we have considered this scripture today, we have seen how easy it is to be judgmental of those whose sins are different than our own.
God is with me. Did my God is with me? Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? Oh no, you never let it go through the calm, through the storm. Thank you for joining us this morning. It was a pleasure to have you with us. If we can be of assistance in any way, please reach out and let us know. We're praying for you, and we pray that you'll have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>